Welcome to our replacement if it's about this brewery. <laughs> we should do the whole thing like that. Welcome to Robot Dice Explosion. I'm Ben. I'm Ollie. And this is our second episode of uh, Shit We Liked in 2020. Pretty Working much. title. Yeah. I don't uh, know what we're going to call it yet. Yeah. <laughs> not politics. Politics is not on here. No. <laughs> no, I'm watching some stuff on Twitter right now, but that's not going to make it into the, the episode. Uh, yes. If, if we do like a shit we shouldn't have done in 2020, uh, doom scrolling is going to be the top of that for me. I probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> I feel more informed, but like the despair is kicking now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so things that distracted us from politics in 2020. Um, uh, you went first last time. Uh, you should go first again today, I think. Okay. Um, we've start well. I was going to say started. We actually continued watching The Expanse because we watched the season one originally. Yeah. When it came out on Netflix, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then we stopped. And I think you just released season five. So uh, was it on Netflix originally or was it on sci-fi? Yeah, I think, no, I think season one, it's... it's wasn't sci-fi originally, but it was brought over here on Netflix. Here by Netflix, yeah. Yeah. And I think season one and season two yeah. on Netflix. Yeah, then it got cancelled, which is like it's literally the best sci-fi that's been on television since what, two thousand four Battlestar? No, it's better than that. Mm, okay. Yeah. I mean I, I, I was, yeah. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, <laughs> probably, yes. Uh, we'll have that fight then, another it time. Pick, then it got picked up by Amazon. Yes. Uh, trying to bulk out their uh, their Prime Video offering. Um, pretty glad they did, actually. Uh, it did do some interesting stuff. I actually have several things we watched from there. But... Interesting. Um, yeah, it's one of those things that I, I have Prime because my wife is a student and it's half price. Um, so it's quite... <laughs> Nice to have the delivery and the video. Yeah. Uh, I mean, issues with late stage capitalism aside, um, it's very convenient. Yes. Well, that's the point. Very thing. ethical. Um, you you, you yeah. know the bit where we said we weren't going to talk politics? I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't hold me to things um, I haven't committed to. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, we've been watching. See, we've been watching season two. Cool. Which is very nice. I mean, I've read. I say read. I we have the first three. I have the first three books as audiobooks as well. Okay. And I keep bouncing off book number three. Interesting. Um, but I've listened to the first two a couple of times. Well, the the third one delves into some of the things I like a little less. Okay. Um. I mean, I suppose at this point we should probably say. Uh fucking watch the expanse if you haven't done yet just skip this bit um because yes. uh, we will talk about minor spoilers I, I i'm quite a bit far farther past you i i haven't started the season which has just dropped which is what season 
five five. Yes. Um so I've watched one, two, three, four. Um yeah, we, yeah. I think we have one one episode short of finishing season two. Cool. Yeah, um, I might rewatch it at some point, maybe when I've got a lot of paintings. The the really interesting thing actually is the way the the TV series and the book differ. Okay. Because they're obviously telling the same story, but they're telling them quite differently and in different chronological order. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't know in what way it differs. I've not read the books at all no, yet. So I may get around to it at some point. Yeah, I mean, I said, like, I've listened to the first two and you have, um, like, a character like uh, Erasarala, who's a really major character right from the beginning, doesn't arrive until book two. Yeah. It's just plain not in the first book at all. Yeah, interesting. Um, I mean, sometimes I feel that the book, the way that's structured makes more sense, but sometimes the TV series where you can go, like, no, actually, it makes sense to bring in this character already and show us some background. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, books and uh, TV and movies and so mediums, on. So. Different mediums. You have to do things... Um, a little bit differently. Uh, I imagine you need pace changes in a different way. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think in the first series, it basically formed the third setting. So the first one, let's say you're out in space. Uh, the second setting is on uh, the, the mining station. Oh. I should know that because it's quite important to the story. I just blanked. Eros? What, the space station or this? Well, I was Basically, space station. You, you've, got, you've got space stuff, drama, things going on. Then you've got a uh, detective story. And then you've got politics. Like that's the sort of the triumvirate yeah. that the first season uh, explores. Oh, Tycho was the one I was thinking of. Tycho that's station. That's yeah, Fred that's Johnson's different. space station. Yeah. Yeah, unsurprisingly, um, I really like the politics aspect of it. I think it's pretty convincing. Um, even the so Amasarala, um, yeah, like her intentions are actually pretty pretty pure, but like she has no qualms about doing things in an underhand way. And then, oh, I, and then you've yeah. got other people who are just in it for you know personal advancement. Like it all rings quite true. Like there are people who want to do uh, I, the right I thing, that, big picture. That aspect of it is handled better in the books than in the TV series. I mean, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, that politics takes more uh, time, I think, to to convey. But but the whole in season two, that's a whole intrigue aspect on Earth with the meetings and stuff. Mm. That's entirely different in the book, really. Yeah. But that's the thing that I think you, you've only got so much. I, I guess when you make a series, you have to decide, okay, it's, it's going to have a lot of politicking in it, but like what percentage yeah. of the show is going to be taken up with that? You, you saw that in Game of Thrones as well. Like, yeah. Um, you know, you've got to decide between that and action, I guess. That's sort of yeah, general it's, binary it's, choice. I, I think in general it worked. I think they did a disservice to one of the characters. Which one's that? Uh, Aaron Wright. Okay. 
who I, I did not like his TV version. Okay. Uh, he comes across as scarier and more competent in the book. Right. I think he's fairly, fairly competent in the, um, See, in the show he until he hits, 30. like, well, he, I think a lot of what we see of him actually is him scrabbling. Like, maybe his competence is actually pre-season one, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> if you know what I mean, yeah, I mean that that that's that's bound to be a reason why he's in the position he's in. So you can't be yeah. that incompetent. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I really like about it from a an aesthetics point of view is how it takes a real like rooted in reality approach to its space yeah. stuff. Uh, it's there is a there's a what do you call them. Um, like a a widget, uh, a boondoggle, uh, Deus Ex Machina thing in if, terms of the fast, yes, the fast and light drive. Um, no, uh, no, these are just really efficient. It's, no, it's not fast and light, is it? It's just very no. It's it's fast. just it's just a, a drive that's efficient enough to allow you to do space travel in some sort of reasonable time. Yes. Yes, to have lives which actually go between different planets rather than to have a life where you maybe go between like three planets with them yeah exactly um, yeah so that that is like the main invention the main uh technology invention uh but outside of that everything is, is pretty grounded in in uh in reality at least from uh his slight spoilers at least from the human side of things yeah it, it feels it feels quite real and it's mm. even things like uh, the languages, yeah. Oh, the way that they dealt with the um, the what do you call it, the patwa, um, the, the, the belt of patwa. Yeah, it's great because there's there's a lot of different languages. There's some really good articles people should go and read about how that language was implemented. But um, you you've got some very noticeable like uh, South African, um, oh, what do you call it, Africans. the Dutch, yeah, Afrikaans, but. Not just that; it's not just Afrikaans in space. There's definitely oh no, it's it's a real mix match of of stuff, and there's several different dialects that has to focus on yeah different origin languages and stuff combined with gestures. And the gestures have been thought about in terms of well, what actually works in space and a yeah. spacesuit. Ah, oh, okay, we're going to go back to the patchwork in a second. But one of the things I really love, I don't know, if, I think it's maybe season two. Uh, but where they need to talk off radio yes. in, in space. And so they just put their helmets next to each other and then you can hear the vibration through the other person's helmet into yours. Yeah. Uh, I love that. That's fantastic. Um, oh, yeah, that's, that's a lot of really clever things like that. One of the really interesting things about the uh, patwa that I, I read was um, that the writers generally write maybe like three different versions of lines um, certainly for the major characters. Uh, and there are basically three different difficulties. And then it's down to the actor to really sort of choose which one they want to go for um, and how they want to uh, execute it. And uh, shit, what's the guy, the uh, the leader of the like belt uh, resistance type people? Fred Johnson? No. no oh, the other, the other guy. Um, Oh, good yeah. question. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, so basically, I remember reading that he basically always picked the hardest one, um, which makes total sense for his character. As I, well. Exactly. Yeah, um, some really good stuff there. Uh, there's other things like, and this isn't the language, but just to do with like how people on the show are invested in their characters. Um, the guy that played, oh shit, I'm not going to remember his shitty name. Uh, the actor's name is 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 Wes Chatham. Uh, Chatham. Uh, um, Amos. Yes. Uh, when he saw that the expanse was going to be made into a TV show, uh, you know, his agent like, got him an interview or whatever it was, and he read for it, and he was like, he really wanted to be the character that he ended up getting. Uh, it was like his favorite character Such in the show. He had character. already read the books. Um, and so that's pretty cool. Doors, that's it. Yeah. There's, there's so many shades of gray in the show. So many motivations which you understand uh, as, you know. Yeah. And the one I struggled with was the detective's uh, motivations early on. Yeah. But later on, I, you, you get it. You're like, okay, this is about his, like, he's fixated on one thing for, like, redemption almost. Like, to, yeah, like, yeah, prove it's, to himself so, he can be a good man. It's sort of a redemption story that then goes off the rails. Oh, yeah, I mean, it it gets real wacky it's, uh, uh, later on. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm missing so many things that we're talking about. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's no. real good. <laughs> This yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you should definitely, you should definitely give it a chance if you are at all interested in that kind of thing. I think. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think if there's any other like touch points that I really, um, really want to touch well, on. It's it's, <laughs> um, it's it's hard without starting to go into details about. Oh, yes, this whole section of plot, and that's why this was really cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess the thing that we haven't really touched on is at all is the premise, which essentially you've got these three camps. You've got Earth, Mars, yeah. and the Belt. And yeah. the only two like recognised interplanetary factions uh, for you know powers or whatever are Earth and Mars. Mars is of course the younger. Um, yeah, and they they developed better technology, stronger technologies. Uh, as a, you know, the, the way that hardship and arms races and so on. Yeah, so, so, ba so, so basically, the in, in military terms, the, the standoff is Earth with the older but much larger military, yeah, and Mars with the smaller but better equipped. Yes, um, and arguably more motivated or passionate. Like, um, there's a real resentment on Mars of. Uh, uh, because you know Mars hasn't been terraformed. They've been, you know, yeah, they're, doing they're it for decades, but it's it's slowed. It's uh, the, the the generation on Mars now are not where they hoped they would be by now, I guess. Um, and so there's some resentment there. Um, I think that's interesting. I think that's an element that's stronger in the TV series than in the books as well. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but then, yeah. So then, uh, not Earth is weird because. You have to basically apply to get on a waiting list to get trained for a career, and you could be on that waiting list for the whole of your life. Uh, there's not enough jobs to go around on Earth. Yeah, Earth is basically massively overpopulated. So yeah, but it doesn't seem to have like rampant poverty necessarily. Like it's wealthy no. enough. 
have a universal basic income or something similar. You know? Yeah, it's um, pretty close. Yeah. Except it's not actually money. It's resources to sustain a basic minimum of life. But. Yeah. And then you've got uh, the belt, which is uh, essentially just like mining colonies. Yeah, people who are doing the real tough work in space, living in space, being born in space. Um, and there's, there's a lot done around like uh, gravity sickness and stuff, even from people coming from Mars to, to Earth, but then also uh, anyone yeah. born on the belt uh, can't really hack gravity very long at all. Um, yeah, and the, these these three factions are at peace, but grinding up against one another quite a lot. The belt is not a force, so like they're, they're, they're not, they're not um, sovereign, if you will. Yeah. Uh, yeah but they are, they are fighting for that. Um, and there's factions within the factions who are fighting for that. Yes. Yeah, uh, it's great. So have you got anything else you want to touch on about it? No, I think that's that sort of covers it without it just turning into, right, let's start at the beginning and explain the whole plot. Yeah. Which would be long and convoluted and changes multiple times anyway. So. Yeah. I would say one more thing, I suppose, is that it, the, it centers around the crew of one ship eventually. It gets to that point. It doesn't start there. Um, and that it's, ship very much has like that familial relationship that you see in Firefly and uh, yes, that's actually other shows quite, like that. Quite a good comparison. You have the core, but then you have a bunch of strong, important characters that aren't part of that crew. Yeah. Which, which drives other parts of the story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they tend to use the crew of the Rosinante to... Uh, give you eyes you know all over the place uh, outside of the fixed settings of like the uh, government UN, and so on. yeah yeah you and headquarters and things like that but yeah 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 cool we'll, we'll leave it there because that's real good people should watch it <laughs> um okay so my uh my first pick will be something that was just me this year um and something that i sort of resisted for quite a long time so i have a it's not a love-hate relationship but like i like a bit of anime but i've not really ever got properly into it so i like all my studio ghibli akira mm. ghost in the shell you know stuff um that i got into at university and so on um and samurai shampoo uh but then uh people have been raving about Attack on Titan for ages, and I just looked at it. I was like, "This looks fucking ridiculous." It just it looks <laughs> shit. Like these sort of skinless giants walking around, um, and yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't, wasn't convinced. So I left it for ages, and then uh, they brought the first season to Netflix, and Graham watched it, and Graham was raving about it, and I was like, "Oh, I want to watch it." And it kind of looks like shit. Like, yeah, okay, mate. I'm sure it's fine. Um, and then I watched season one, uh, and then I watched season two, and then I watched season three, um, and I absolutely smashed through it. And it's <laughs> it's it is kind of shit in some ways, and the premise is absolutely crazy, um, but it's somehow really compelling. Um, so the premise is essentially that humanity been plagued by these titans which just look like big humans with like sometimes they've got skin sometimes they haven't they never have genitals um 
and they basically just want to eat humans. Um, they don't seem to need to eat humans. They just want to. It's just a hobby. Seems that way. Um, so humanity has sort of retreated. Uh, this has been going on for like a hundred years. Uh, and so humanity has like retreated within a uh, walled civilization. And it has like three walls uh, concentric within one another. Um, but in order to make the attacks of the Titans more predictable, they have these nodes sticking out from the, the outer wall. And in those nodes are civilization, well, civilization cities. Mm. Um, so they draw the attention of the Titans. And it means that like you can basically really reinforce those areas. And you, you, know, you have to do maintenance on the rest of the wall, but you know, that's gotta be like you check up every few months yeah. or something. It's a big fucking wall. Um, and the Titans don't breach the walls for, for, for ages at all. Um, but then one day this massive Titan turns up, the colossal Titan, I think he's called. Um, and he basically just kicks in the door and then all these other Titans run through. Now the other Titans are like anything from like four meters tall to like 20 or something. Uh, and so the idea is that the civilization, that city then like retreats within, uh, the next wall. Mm-hmm. And that then contains, uh, but there's this sort of, there's this army, um, standing army, uh, made up of people who basically, you know, like craft knives where you can snap them off when they get yeah. blunt and you just keep doing. Well, they've got those, two of those. And then they've got these like, uh, grappling hooks that come out of their waistbands. And they swing around like on buildings <laughs> and on trees. And what they have to do is like cut the back of the neck of the, of the Titan with these craft knives, um, in order to kill the Titans. That and seems good. That, that's totally the, the way I try to do it. Well, you've got to get up there. I mean, okay. So I guess what I didn't say is like, it seems like basically a medieval civilization. Yeah. Um, they have some technology like that, which seems like, you know, you, you, it's all gas powered. Um, like compressed gas, the uh, swingy things. Um, but yeah, uh, so that's like sort of the premise. And um, the Titans haven't breached the walls for like for, for ages. Like maybe it's the hundred years, whatever. I don't, I don't know. And um, so a lot of the soldiers are just like not very good. Um, and then you have the scouts who go out and actually like you know attack Titans. And they're better, but you know they're getting fucked up a lot anyway. Uh, and so you follow the, these like few kids as they get, you know, as, as their city gets destroyed and then they get trained up in the army and like, like join the scouts or, or some other regiment or whatever. And then this counterattack is, is, uh, is launched. And like the early part of the season one, they're just like, yeah, so, uh, we, we sent a thousand soldiers to retake the city and like less than a hundred came back, which, you know, was bad, but, at least it meant that there weren't so many people starving anymore because now they had enough food. Now dead. Yeah. And you're just like, wow, this is it's real grim and, and dark. And, and it spends a lot of time like grinding you down in that way. And then you're like, oh, they're doing the counterattack. And this is like early in the first season. I mean, this first like eight episodes or something. The counterattack, they're all like really psyched to go and do it. And then they just get fucking massacred, like almost to a man. All these people that you've spent like, 
six four episodes get to know you're just getting killed left right and center <laughs> and it sets the stakes really well like you just sort of don't trust that anyone's going to survive and um except for maybe like the core characters but uh there's a lot of characters and it just yeah it's like watching a slow motion train wreck a lot more and, and the, the, <laughs> the pace and like the motivations and stuff develop over the course of the season but um yeah it's great what i would say is like there's a lot of um, internal monologue stuff going on okay. where you'll hear a character and they'll be like, oh, I can't go on. Everything's so terrible. All my friends are dead. But I must go on because this is what I have to do. But I can't. It's all terribly awful. And oh, I will. <laughs> um, and they, they do that. They crank that wheel a lot. Um, and then the action happens. And they're certainly very economical with the animation at times. Um, <laughs> You know, there'll be like a still drawing of the guy jumping and they'll animate his face and the background will be like all blurry, moving really fast yeah. um, because he's talking a lot whilst he does this. Uh, this yes. um, but the action is really compelling and exciting because you don't know who's going to survive or whatever. People are just getting bitten in half, left, right and centre. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's actually really cool. And um, it's got some good twists in it later on. And, yeah, I don't know. I um, it's probably all I've got to say about it, really. But like, I wasn't expecting to enjoy it, and uh, I I really did. I, I painted the whole time that I was watching, so you know yeah. the dialogue's going on. I watched it with the um with the dark, not the sun, and uh, that means that I can just paint. And when I hear someone scream, I look up. It's basically the um yeah, yeah. the way of watching it. But it's it it got to the point. I was getting quite a lot of painting done, and then you know action would happen and then i the action would finish and i'd look down and be like oh that paint dried on my brush huh <laughs> um so yeah so yeah if, if, you, if you like anime you can get past the slightly shitty looking nature of the of the titans which from trailers i thought oh they're just bad they're just badly done uh but actually i think they're very deliberately done in the, that style like they look really eerie they look yeah. disturbing in a way that you could do like giants and them being like really heavily muscular, scary and conventionally scary. But some of these are just like, I don't know, like, creepy. Yeah. Some of them just look like people, but like, and they like some of them run in really weird ways where they just don't use their arms and stuff. And they're just real strange, real fucking strange. Um, so there you go. There's my there's my one thing for me. <laughs> to you. Okay. Um, board games. So obviously we haven't. I mean, we've played a couple of board games in person this year. Mm -hmm. Over the things weren't looking quite as grim. Yes. But we've actually been playing board games at least once a week since March. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned last. Uh, the last instalment of this that you had uh, you've been basically been playing more board games than you would have normally yeah I mean I'm, for the last like just as the, for the last week and a half I think the least geeky thing I've done in any given evening is our podcast recordings <laughs> because every other evening has been <laughs> some version of playing games with people cool I mean that's, that's the life yeah. For at least a whole, for at least a week, there's been 
yeah, board games, all sorts of things. So we started out playing board games primarily on Steam. Yep. Because there's a bunch of good board games on Steam, mostly by Asmodee. Well, I say that. There's a bunch of Asmodee board games and Days of Wonder and stuff. We played a lot of Ticket to Ride. Yep. Which is very good as a as a digital board game, actually. In I mean, Kaz, Kaz plays it, and my wife plays it on uh, on her phone all the time. Yeah. Um, she's still going on about that uh, seventh ticket that she picked up as her last action in the last <laughs> and, game. And, and, and one. Yeah, that was pretty yeah. impressive. Yeah, um, still going on about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it, but it's just things like with the, with the digital version where it's like highlights your the endpoints of your tickets and stuff like that, which actually mm. makes the game a lot easier to play. Because there's less time going like, wait, where am I supposed to be going? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of like, uh, well, I guess you'd call them quality of life things that you can get with digital games. Yes. Um, that, I, um, um, that I can really appreciate, even if I'm still a bit weird about, about <laughs> digital games. Um, but primarily, we've actually been playing games on a website called Board Game Arena. Which have a, a whole bunch of web, uh, board games available, um, and it's free. Yeah, so um, we Happy joined you the other night, and we played six nymph. Played six nymph on it, didn't we? Um, yes. Doesn't seem to like Firefox on the mobile. <laughs> no, <laughs> that was not bad. <laughs> uh, but it works well with Chrome browser. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, that seems. Pretty good. It's like yet another board games. Yes. Website. So it's free, and then it's like oh, upwards of a hundred games, something like that. Yeah. But there's a caveat to the whole "it's free" thing, because not all of the games are free. Or yes. rather, not all of the games are games you can start if <clears throat> you are a free member. You can play any game. Right. But a bunch of them is like, no, this is a premium game. You must be a premium member to start the game. Interesting. Okay. And if you're a premium member, it also gives you a bunch of statistics. Yeah. Like playtime, who scored points on what, all sorts of things. Which has now meant that in our group of seven people who regularly plays, uh, there are four members. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> I was going to say, I, th I think what you, you told me that uh, Paul is uh, has a, has a membership. Yeah, Paul is a member. I'm a member. How are you? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and another two two from two from the group is also members, and it's pretty much just so I can see the stats. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's not, it's not that expensive. I think I paid something like 20 quid for the year or something like that. Sure. So I was like, no, that's fine. Um, but yeah, no, that has actually been very good. Um, and the nice thing about it being browser-based rather than standalone programs like on Steam is that, as you say, like you can do it on your phone. Yeah, and one of the problems I have with standalone games on Steam is like you generally, well, not generally, but you quite often have to buy a copy per player, yes. and then you can't play on the same computer. And for me and my wife, like if we want to then play with you guys, that 
like, how does that yeah, work? It's, like, it's, do we both have to buy it on Steam? And like, she has to figure out what her Steam login is for the first time. Also, it's years. like, are we going to buy four copies of this game? Yeah, exactly. Um, um, yeah, whereas yeah. this is just like, eh, rock up and play. Um, the way you start games is a little bit weird. Um, but that's just a quirk of the setup. Actually, playing the games are really nice. Yeah, I mean, other, other than that browser problem that I had, um, Six Nymphed was was fine. It also featured a variant I'd never seen before, but which I find hilarious. Yeah, I'm not. I, yeah, I, I prefer the uh, the default <laughs> mode of that game. Honestly, <laughs> real weird way to play it. Uh, yes, yes, it is. Um, I, I we played a couple of times. I mean, basically, six names is you have a hand of cards. The numbers are from one to one hundred four. Every round, everyone plays a card. Your card. There's four rows of cards already out. Your card goes after. So, like, if someone, if there's a forty-eight out there and you play fifty-two, your card will go after that. So everyone blindly lays the card. Yeah. Well, not blindly, but secretly lays the card they're going to play. And then starting with the lowest card, you place them onto the existing rows. And they have to go, in the normal variant, on the row uh, where go, they are, the next the number. End, yeah. yeah. And once you get to the sixth, you take the row, and there's some points associated with that, and you try not to score too badly. Yes, you uh, want to so get the lowest score. Yeah. The, uh, the variant is that you can play at both ends of a row, which yeah. is just quite confusing on, until you realize how that, that works but it means that it's much less certain what's going to happen yeah, yeah absolutely um, yeah, yeah I'll stick to the, the regular the regular <laughs> mode obviously but there you go mostly, mostly I've, I'd seen it just as a thing when I started the game of it so for our regular board game night I turned it on without telling anyone <laughs> Just because I thought it would be hilarious. And the first, like, literally first round I played, so I know it'll trigger. And everyone just goes like, what? <laughs> what um, the fuck just happened? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. But, yeah, no. There's, yeah, I mean, we played, how many games have I played of this? 10, 15 different games already? Hmm. At least. Um... So yeah, definitely uh, something to recommend if uh, if you want to do some board games. I mean, it's it's a nice, convenient way of playing with people that you can't meet up with. Yeah, I mean it's, it's another one to add to the list, isn't it? So you've got Tabletop Simulator, Tabletopia, yeah, Board Game Arena, yeah. There's another one. Yes, there is the one where we were going to play. Um, oh. Is that not Tabletopia? Well, maybe. <laughs> this is the problem, isn't it? Like, there's, um, there's, there's, there's quite a few at the moment. And then, of course, yes, Steam and your mobile yeah, and yeah. all that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah, I think you're right. That was Tabletopia. Yeah. Well, I guess this, um, I mean, that makes it our segue, doesn't it? Because um, uh, yes. my, my fourth, well, my second pick, I guess, uh, is a game that both of us have... Uh, have played. In fact, I've only played with you. Um, yes. Super Fantasy Brawl. Yeah, hmm? We only played two. We only played two games because 
then you weren't allowed to see people anymore. Yes. So, yeah, uh, Super Fantasy Brawl. Um, I forget off the top of my head the company that have published it, but it... Um, oh God, it's a very, very generic name as well. I couldn't remember it for ages. It was a Kickstarter. Mythic, um, Mythic Games. Mythic Games, that's it. Uh, comes in a massive box. Um, and essentially it's... Um, well, it's a fantasy brawling game. You've got three characters each. Um, there is like a, a ban mechanic for tournaments. Um, but essentially, yeah, you've got three different heroes and they are all individual heroes. So you can't have any um, any duplicates, I guess, until you go to tournaments and stuff. But just playing with the base game, you can't. Um, <clears throat> God, how to describe it? It's on a hex grid. Hex grid, it's objective-based, but the objectives will change as yeah. you score them and over time as well. Yes, so, so you can... Progress through a couple of turns and then disappear. Yeah, if you score an objective when it first comes out effectively, then you're only going to score one VP. Um, if you then if you score it sort of in the sweet spot, like the next two turns or something like that, uh, then it's worth two. And if you score it after that, it's worth one, and then it goes away. Um, also, I think you get a VP for killing enemy models. Uh, yes. Which does hasn't happened a lot in the games we've played. Um, I was about to say it doesn't happen a lot, but I'm not willing to commit to that yet. Uh, well, I mean, the first time you played it, I literally killed one of your models in turn one. Yes. So it can be pretty <laughs> savage. Um, so I, I guess the thing to say is like it's not dice-based. There's, there's, no, there's no random rolling or random uh, success level generation going on. No. Uh, okay, so there are three magical cores. Uh, let's just call them red, blue, and yellow, because I'm not going to remember um, their actual names. And when it's your turn, you get to play cards that you have in your hand. Uh, but when you play a card, it requires you to spend one of these cores. Uh, so effectively, you're only going to play one red, one yellow, and one blue card in your turn. And these cards will be tied normally to your characters. So you're taking up to three actions a turn, effectively. Um, your opponent can react by playing cards and spending a core, but that then means that they will start their next turn missing that core. Uh, Beyond that, there's also some basic actions in case you draw like a handful of reds, uh, let's say. Um, or you just need to do something your cards don't like. I just need to be able to move two squares, but I didn't get a movement card yeah. for that character. You can just go like, right, okay, I'm spending my core on doing that. Yes, uh, equally like if I just need to do some damage, there's, a, there's one which just literally causes one point of damage. And it's not one point of strength, so armor doesn't count, it just one point of damage, there you go. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that weirdly, like that, that's sort of it. There's there's traps on the board, so like you want to be pushing people into traps, uh, which have uh, like, hidden effects. So they may root you to the spot, they may cause like a certain amount of damage, whatever. Um, and there is a certain amount of like synergy in selecting your heroes. Yes. 
I think that'll become more apparent as we play more games. Absolutely. I can't remember how many heroes there are. There's at least 12. Uh, I I got the expansion, so there's an extra three. So could be 15, could be more. I think it's probably around there. Um, Um, Yeah, it comes with 12. Okay, yeah, so I've got 15 heroes. Um, yeah, and it's also available on Tabletopia, and I think it's free to play on Tabletopia. So um, people should check it out. Uh, we should actually get around to playing um, again. Yes. Persuade me to actually uh, actually play digital board games. I, I feel like I'm not getting across how interesting I found it well, and how well, rewarding the, the, it was. The thing is, like, the base mechanics are super simple. Like, yes. it's really very straightforward. You look at your hand of cards, which is like five cards? Yeah, I think it is, yeah. You pick up to three you want to play, and then you just do the thing? Yes. But, the order in which you play them is going to be quite important. Um, and there's a whole bunch of different attack types and movement types and it's quite like it's sort of a 3D puzzle in some ways. Like, get the most out of your cards so that you both impede your opponent but also advance towards the objectives. And you need to make yeah. the whole thing work together in the correct time frame. Yeah. And it's it's really interesting puzzle, and it's really fast paced because you can do everything really quick because there's no dice or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think if you know the characters that you're playing, you can probably get a game done in 30 minutes to 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, if you know your opponent's models, you can definitely do it in 30, I reckon. Um, yeah. But obviously, we and, need and, to play a few more games. Still. Yeah, and interestingly, because it's based on the cards in your hand rather than just, here's 10 cards for each character, there's not actually that much space for analysis paralysis because you just don't have that many things that'll do what you need at any given time yeah i guess i mean i still certainly manage to have some analysis paralysis yeah but imagine if you were just handed the full deck for every character yeah yeah sure yeah you're right it's very much like making the best of whatever situation you've been you've been given yeah you 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 can go like i can do these five things which of them is the most advantageous okay i'll start with that yeah I mean, there is, there's a mulligan mechanic in the first round so that you at least can sort of start as you mean to go on. And actually, one of the actions you can do uh, takes the blue core, which is called plan. So you can, if you get a reaction card in your in your draw, that's really good, you want to keep that around because you discard all your cards at the end of your, your active turn. Uh, plan allows you to put a card on the top of your deck. So that means that you get a good reaction and you're like, oh, God, I'm probably going to need that next turn. I'm going to forego having an action now in order to place this into, uh, you know, into my hand as a as a reaction card. Effectively, um, yeah. There's a character who plays around a lot with that. And the, the miniatures are massive and really chunky uh, sculpts, really characterful, based on the art of, uh, oh, I'm going to pronounce his name wrong, but I think it's uh, Johannes Helgeson. I, I like them a surprising amount, actually. <laughs> Strange endorsement, yeah. <laughs> well, it was. it's more like a lot of these are 
I mean, a lot a lot of these games that come out, the, the models are fine. But they also just like more of the same kind of thing. Yeah. These feels more interesting to a certain extent. I mean, partly it's because you can just do like one-off characters and get big and chunky so you can do fun stuff with them. That's, I think that's the interesting thing about miniatures board games is that you're not bound by scale um, because, you know, you, you try and design a new board game and unless you've got an awful lot of um, financial backing, you kind of have to hit the pre, you know, the established scales or close to mm. because because people need to have scenery. So, and and if you're doing a fantasy game, it's like, well, I, I have to hit the sort of 28 mil to 38, 32 mil scale because that's what that's what scale scenery people have unless yeah. it's a game which doesn't require scenery um, i mean that was one of know. the problems originally when games were brought out in quiz and so it's like oh we've done this new scale and everyone looked at it and were like that's cool i'm never gonna play that yeah well that's why the inquisitor lives on as uh inquisitor 28 mil Yes. Because it turns out you can do loads of really cool conversions because there's loads of kits out there and you've got the scenery. <laughs> and the models don't cost a minor fortune each. Yeah, it's so infuriating. What like what what a for GW to have done it as well is, is is kind of hilarious because you know they would have had the finances to actually produce more stuff, but they just didn't. Well, I'm guessing because of this scale it started in, it never sold very well, so why would you continue to invest in it? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we digress. Um, Surprise. Well, there you go. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Got, uh, I, I want to say like I really enjoyed it and I really want to play more. It's like the game I am most optimistic, the new game I'm most optimistic about yes. for 2021. Because um, obviously uh, I bloody love a bit of Bushido, but uh, this... This occupies a different space. Yes, no, I, I, I agree. I've come away from both games going like, this was super fun. I totally want to play more of this. Oh, we should point out that um, it's either two players or four players. And that four player variant is 2v2. Um, and that was quite fun. I think that was actually yeah. more hectic in a way. Um, yes, because you, ha you have less control so it, it alternates. So basically, it's two, two teams of two. But so one half of your team will act and one half of your opponent's team will act and then back and forth. Yeah. So you have much less control over what's happening. So yeah. So that was super interesting. And the, the, the way the heroes are designed and stuff, they definitely, want to, they definitely all have a thing they want to be doing. Yeah, there's lots of different like positional stuff and uh, you Long know range, obviously some just combat, yeah. all sorts of things. One of the things I found interesting was like shooting is basically you have to do it in a straight line of hexes. You can't just shoot whoever you like, yeah. um, which is interesting. But then the indirect fire, I I can't remember. I think that can just target anywhere. It can. Yeah, but it does mean that you can do long range characters that don't just dominate the whole board. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, no, I, I sort of, I definitely came away from that feeling like, oh, this could be really good. I need yeah. to play some more games because it's very much a okay, work out what the different ones do, find a group of favorites, and then structure something around that. Yeah, yeah. 
I kind of feel like maybe because like, neither of us are going to spend ages looking at each character before we uh, like play a game. I oh don't God, no, it's just like that. That seems fun. Let's try that guy. Yeah, I, I, maybe we should take an approach of like, well, let's let's play a game, and then we swap out one of the characters, and then we play another game, and then you get to swap out another character, and it just means some actual <clears throat> learning will happen. Yeah, so you're getting more familiar with, you know, the ones that you keep. Uh, that makes that makes in. sense. Yeah, so um, yeah, we should do that. Maybe we can even stream it. Um, you know, people sure. might be interested. Uh, yeah. So yeah, check it out. Um, was there anything else that we were going to talk about this evening? Um, I've lost the window. Where are we? Mm, I think that covers most of what we thought we would cover. Okay, we're like 45 minutes now, so maybe we could have like a couple of quick hits to uh, to finish off on. Right. Um, so I'm going to put you on the spot now while I buy I, myself I, I time. Have, I, have, I have a thing. <laughs> it okay. goes, it sort of ties into the, the expense Truth Seekers. Okay, yep. This is the TV show on Amazon Prime. Yes. Yes, it is. It's sort of vague tie-in. Um, I, we, we watched it earlier this year when it came out. In fact, yep. we, I think we started on the release date. Oh, Very wow. impressed. It's um, Simon Peck and Nick Frost. Think. Yes. Or it's Nick Frost and um, Simon Peck, I suppose. But yeah. yeah um, yes. Nick, um, Nick Frost is the main character. Yes. And he's a TV installation, broadband installation guy, something like that. Broad- broadband installation engineer. Yeah. Yes. He's the best they've got. <laughs> he's rolling uh, out he's rolling out 6g at the time I think. <laughs> yes it's quite funny uh and he runs a paranormal investigation youtube, YouTube channel. channel yeah and then he finds something yes he's been running it for years and obviously nothing just lots of <laughs> i've visited this old church and wooga 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 um but then shit starts getting weird and he's um, only there's only what eight episodes, something like that. Yeah. Uh, with 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 heavy hints that there might be a season two. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, so I found the the first episode. I was like, yeah, I, you know, I enjoy the the sort of atmosphere that you come to expect from uh, some form of media which features these two actors. Yeah. Um, you know, so some of that sort of Edgar Wright esque comedy timing um definitely but the first episode didn't really grab me like i enjoyed that i enjoyed some of the like the the framing of shots with like a comedic thing happening in the background and all that but i wasn't sold episode two i was like okay yeah i will keep watching this because i enjoy these uh these actors and so on and then i think from episode three onwards i was like yeah no this is actually great yeah It, it hit its stride um, yeah, it was more horror-like than I was expecting it to be. Actually, I think it's if if it has a misstep, it's that the, it's like it's early showing before the uh, before the actual show gets started. Um, there's a jump scare right at the beginning, basically the pre-credits, uh, the pre-title sequence yeah. um, thing. Actually, I think it doesn't actually have a title sequence, but yeah. It doesn't, uh, no, I don't yeah. think it does. But the, the pre-title card uh, yeah. scene of the first episode has uh, quite a 
you know, visually arresting jump scare, which isn't what you should expect from the rest of the show, even though there is a bit of horror in there. No, it's it's more creepy horror. Yes, yeah. And that's why I feel like it was a misstep, because I can imagine people who don't get on well with jump scares being like, well, I'm out. Yeah, you and mean, actually, the, the, the one jump scare we have in there, we put it right at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. It's filter <laughs> out all these people who don't like jump scares, yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I, I ended up really enjoying it. Yeah, it, it was... I mean, I was expecting to like it anyway because they generally do pretty good stuff. Yeah. But it was it was significantly better than I was expecting it to be. Um, yeah, I think, I think one of the things you sort of come to expect from it's like this combination of, yeah, comedic timing, uh, absolutely mundane, finding comedic comedy in the mundane. Yeah. But also silliness and then also like some real heart in the like the personal stories yeah um it's it's not it is flippant about stuff but then it it's also pretty uh i don't know yeah it's got a good heart yeah yeah that's probably the best way of communicating it it's it sits very nicely next to like the connector trilogy for instance i think okay yeah 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 I, th- I think it's in that vein, definitely. Oh, it definitely is. I mean, and the Kaneta trilogy is not really a trilogy in any no, no. <laughs> reasonable sense of the word. I mean, that, that was just... entirely invented by fans, wasn't it? That's, that's why they only throw in the reference to the Cornetto in the, uh, the post-apocalyptic section at the end of the third one. So. Yeah, pretty much. Um... I'll tell you what, one of, the, one of the best things that happened over Christmas was my mum, you know, we had a call. We, we do video calls, obviously, too. Yeah. She, she's uh, vulnerable and shielding and so on, and I have a two-year-old son, so she really like, feels like she's missing out a lot. Um, so we did video calls. Uh, and she was like, oh, yeah, I, I just can't sleep at the moment. I'm having really trouble, a lot of trouble sleeping, so I'm watching lots of TV. I watched this uh, this film the other night. I really enjoyed it. Uh, what was it called? Oh, yeah, Hot Fuzz. I was like, oh, brilliant. <laughs> yes, excellent. <laughs> Um, and she was like oh it was, it was ridiculous it was silly but it was great and I was like yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. so yeah. I've got some homework for you mum <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah the um, Shaun of the Dead and The World's End they're not free on Prime Video I don't think um, but I think she just went and rented them and watched them and really yeah. enjoyed them so um, that was one of those little uh, little victories over Christmas that I had <laughs> Sixty-something mum really enjoying the Cornetto trilogy. It's just really nice. Yeah, for nice anyone. Is a good word. I, hmm? Nice is a good word, I think. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. <laughs> Reassuring for me. I, I, I just so I anyone who's not familiar with like where these guys, I guess, got their break, you should check out Spaced. Um, it's a two season, I think they're like six, maybe seven episode seasons, or maybe one I mean, six and the other's five, I can't remember. It's, it's, a, it's a British TV series, we don't really do, do them very long. Yeah, and it was, on, it was on Channel 4 when I was about 15 or something, I saw it then, <laughs> uh, the first season, um, or maybe I was 17, I can't remember. Uh, and then it sort of stuck with me through university and it was like a pretty big deal. Um, but that's, that's Edgar Wright as well, um, he was... Uh, part of the production team. I can't remember if he directed everything or not. Um, 
and that was Nick Frost's first acting job. He was not trained as an actor. He was just Simon Pegg's mate. Uh, <laughs> which, when you see him in in The World's End, like the the guy can act now. Like, oh yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, a lot of that comedic timing is in there. Um, just yeah, really good editing. Like if you want to look at really good comedic editing, look at Space and the Commander trilogy. There are seven episodes in each season. Right, cool. Um, yeah. yeah. Let's see if we can... Do you want to say anything more about uh, about Truth Seekers? I feel like it's easy to spoil. Yeah, I was going to say, like, it's really hard to talk. You can't really... Because this season is so short, there's not a lot of story to talk about without explaining what's going on. Yeah, agreed. Well, let's leave it then, uh, uh, there then. Um, let's see if I can pick out like a quick, quick hit. Um, I cannot be quick about any of the books that I want to talk about. <laughs> okay, here's here's one that my wife told me to put on here, um, and it's That's the hallmark of a great topic. <laughs> it's a TV show on Netflix called Jane the Virgin, um, and. <laughs> It's basically about a Hispanic uh, family in Miami, I think. And the main character, the titular character, Jane, uh, is a virgin. I mean, it's in the title. And in the first episode, finds out she's pregnant. Um, (laughs) And it basically ends up being that uh, she was accidentally uh, artificially inseminated uh, by a gynecologist um and it's as silly as that premise sounds it's basically a telenovela which um is like a mexican soap opera so really melodramatic um uh, and when Kaz started watching it i think she was just like oh just it's something to put on like whatever something in the background and you know i saw it and i rolled my eyes and i was like oh, i'm just not I'm, I'm gonna go and play video games or something um but actually i ended up getting into it and watching the whole fucking <laughs> multiple seasons uh it's a hundred there's a hundred episodes of like- there are yeah the 99th episode is a is like a, a documentary about the making of the show and the, it coming to the end um but i mean she actually she at one point becomes a telenovela writer her dad is a telenovela star okay, like that's, that's it's actually hilarious it's meta as uh but it it has that thing that it's got a really good heart it um i think it was it was good timing for us because like we had uh had a kid and we were dealing with lots of things like uh obviously sleep deprivation but uh like breastfeeding and you know we we discussed lots of that sort of stuff and like how we feel about these things and you know figuring your way through that as new parents is um is a whole thing and they deal with all that stuff mostly really well, like surprisingly well in uh, in this show. Um, yeah, it's not something that I would have expected to really enjoy, and I don't expect most people listening to this to go and watch it. But maybe recommend it to your other halves and maybe just <laughs> hang around a little bit, you know? You might really enjoy it. Um, <laughs> but there you go. Now I can tell her that I mentioned that on the podcast. <laughs> I do remember you mentioning that you were watching it. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, really good. 
that, that that's too many episodes for me. Funny. Oh yeah, yeah. I I wouldn't have set out to watch it certainly for multiple reasons, and the length is one of them. But there you go. Right. So I reckon we've got another episode, maybe two in us. Um, yeah, I think so. And I'm not going to ask anyone for, I'm not going to post the first one or ask anyone for feedback about how many they want to hear until we've recorded all of them because this is as narcissistic as we get. Uh, we're just yes, putting it out lit- there. Literally, are spending hours talking about random things we did in the last year. Yeah. And what I hope is that people, you know, might go, oh, yeah, no, I'll, I'll give that, give that a go. Um, but yeah, it passes the time, if nothing else. Yes. Okay, cool. Well, um, I am going to stop the recording. So uh, hopefully people will join us again soon or they'll be really bored of this and they'll skip to the next Bushido episode. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Cheers. Bye. Bye. Find Robot Dice Explosion at robotdiceexplosion.com at rde underscore podcast at Twitter and Robot Dice Explosion on Facebook.